0: You are listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Desiree Gold. I spoke with Desiree via Zoom after she performed at an Easter show. We discussed knowing your worth as an artist, the struggles and beauty of the recording studio space, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Desiree Gold. are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I am here today with Desiree Gold. Hello, welcome. Hello, thank you. How are you? What's been going on in your life? You just saw that you were doing a really incredible looking 70s show, theme
1: show at Meow Wolf. What was that like? Yeah, actually, I hung my poster for that. It was uh, It was with Taylor Scott and it was a blast. Yeah, we played a whole bunch of actually some very popular 70s tunes and then some like not so popular 70s tunes that I think don't get enough attention because they're phenomenal so it was a it was a really fun time Meow Wolf is so cool that room is so trippy looking I don't know if you've been there yet but
0: I haven't but I've seen um I think that was I've seen Kayla Marquis maybe did uh her tiny desk kind of in In a similar area and just so cool. Yeah, it's such an amazing space and um, it's awesome to have that in Colorado.
1: Totally, I agree.
0: What are some 70s songs that you think should get more play than they
1: maybe ordinarily do? You know what? Uh, Let's see. I played a Curtis Mayfield tune that no one has ever asked me to play before that was just like, it was a riot. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. But I also did a Donny Hathaway song, uh, "Jealous Guy," that I've been working it into my set lately with a few different groups, and it's it's a fun one. I mean, we're changing the meaning. I I just wish that there was like another term I could throw in instead of guy. But you know, it doesn't. Ha- it's a. It, it can be a non-binary song. That's sure, funny.
0: sure. The the proverbial guy. The...
1: exactly. <laughs> I'm just a jealous guy.
0: I mean the best of us are. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your musical journey, where you started and where you're at right now.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Well, do you want the long or the short? Because Give me the long. Give me the long. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. I'm into it. So I like to tell people that I came out of the womb singing. My mother has... Actually, I think she may have misplaced the home videos, but this was back when, you know, taping was a thing, like with the, the handheld camcorder. Wow, am I dating myself? That's so funny. But yeah, my mother would record me um, singing, like, I guess they're called the chicks now, right? Dixie chicks. Oh, sure. From back in the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I grew up loving to sing and I was enrolled in choir as soon as I could be, and like picking up solos whenever I could. I just knew, I knew that it was something that I loved and that I wanted to do, but I did struggle with like not believing that it was actually a viable life path for me for a very, very long time. So I would go back and forth between being like, yeah, I want to be a singer when I grow up, and then being like, uh, maybe I'll be a veterinarian instead. So it was, I was just oscillating between, you know, like, Yeah, medical career, (laughs) the arts, the
0: the practical and the arts, right?
1: So there was even a a point in time where I considered um, studying for the LSAT to become a lawyer, just like it's I've been up and down just filled with self doubt along the way. But I had a lot of people cheering me on and giving me a hand up anytime I felt down. So I'm incredibly grateful to those. But namely, my very first voice teacher out in Aurora, Illinois, which is where I hail from. Actually, you know what, I, I just have to throw this in. I'm sorry, I heard this today at a show. I performed an Easter show today. And one of the ladies in the choir said to me, she was like, I wanna be like you when I grow up. And mind you, this is a woman who's probably biologically 60 or so, you know? And I am not that, but (laughs) I looked at her and I was like, I love it. Please do be me when you grow up. And then she mentioned, she was like, "Um, whenever people ask me where I grew up, I tell them I haven't yet, but I was raised in this town, you know? So I just, that came to mind and I was like, I have to share that because that that touched me. I love that.
0: What a great mindset to have. Isn't
1: that, I just, yeah, that touched me for sure. But anyway, so I grew up, I was raised in Aurora, Illinois, and my first voice teacher actually gave me a full scholarship to her music program because uh, my mother just couldn't afford music lessons for me. But she knew it was a passion of mine. She could tell. And I guess she saw the potential in a little 11-year-old Desiree. (laughs) And so here I am, you know, how many... I don't want to say how many years later (laughs) but it's been um it's been a wonderful journey between miss kristen who gave me my first lessons and then mr lambert who helped me with my first ever recording and just like the whole way through i um i've had people cheering me on and my mother has really been my backbone the whole time she actually helped me get through college i have a degree i decided to go to school for music so i have a degree in vocal performance and i remember very distinctly being 18 years old and everyone saying what are you going to do for college and saying i'm going to school to be a singer and the number of parents that looked at me like i was insane they're like what are you going to do with that are you just gonna are you gonna be a teacher like I'm like, I don't know. I kind of wanted to be a singer, but shoot, you might be right. I don't. So
0: like, well, no, it's it's for singing.
1: Right. right. So there were definitely naysayers along the way as well. But the people that mattered most helped me uh, helped me stay true to my passion. There was a period of time where I was teaching full time private voice and piano lessons and don't get me wrong i loved it i loved my students and it like it made me cry when i decided to leave when i was like okay it's time to really pursue performing full time saying goodbye to those kids was really really tough but i love what i do so much i wouldn't i wouldn't change it for the world you know so
0: yeah what was the impetus of saying like i have to do this professionally like I I have to focus on this
1: it was it was becoming too I guess I don't know if I want to say mundane but the routine of showing up to teach and I was teaching at a couple different schools too so I wasn't even my own boss I was teaching private lessons after school for a couple different schools and realized that I just like I didn't first of all I didn't love having to answer to someone else's calendar that they've made for me um that was kind of number one i was like hold on especially because what they were making my calendar to do wasn't something that was as fulfilling as as i would have liked it to be as i'm like sitting there accompanying my students while they're singing all i all i'm thinking is like wow i wish i was singing right now you know and yeah that was just that was it i knew it was time to go and i also it made it much easier i decided to just move halfway across the country hence why i'm in denver i moved from illinois to here because mostly because of the weather in illinois i don't know if you're familiar with the the midwest but it is very cold in the winter time and incredibly gray and i just needed a change of scenery. of my songs because i was writing songs the whole time even though i wasn't performing them i was writing songs and they were all so depressing just so sad (laughs) you know so (laughs) it was a necessary move and that was definitely like the impetus for for saying you know i'm just gonna do the thing
0: that's awesome so were you like Colorado sunny? So that's why I'm coming here. Did you have any idea about the music scene or an, a plan or anything like that?
1: I have no clue. No clue whatsoever. I visited out here hmm, for like a, a week, uh, went hiking, saw the, so I saw the mountains and I saw the arts districts downtown and i was like you know what this place is really cool i got zero taste for the music scene i didn't see a single concert when i visited but i just i felt the energy of the city and that was enough i i was convinced so it was a it was a year later that i just picked up and left and it was actually it was very scary and at first i didn't i i was in full panic mode so i didn't know how to get my foot in the door in the music scene anyway i applied for so far and got accepted so i started doing shows with so far pretty much not even pretty much literally like the moment i touched down in denver like we moved into the apartment and then had our first so far show the next day it was just like boom, boom, and so like still Talk about doing seriously, it seriously, just like living out of boxes. It was it was a wild wild ride for sure those first couple of months. But then, because I didn't, I wasn't really getting in touch with the scene yet. I I got my job with a recording studio, so yeah, I was just I was a um, an assistant at a recording studio for a few months. But mind you, this was September of 2019. So I moved here at the end of September, got my job at the studio in October, and then about four months later, the whole world shut down. So I really did not get a taste at all for the music scene before COVID. Wow. Fortunately, I'm actually incredibly grateful that that all panned out really well for me because I was willing to put in the time and the work to just like busk. So I was getting, especially that summer when things were like reopening, but everything had to be outdoors. I was that street musician on like every corner, every day, just getting my name out there, passing out business cards. So that first year was crucial. And if, if I had been more established, I would have, I don't even know what I would have done for that first year because ticketed venues weren't, obviously they weren't booking because you can't have, you couldn't have indoor events, you know? So I just consider myself very fortunate that everything worked out for me the way that it did.
0: What was the transition like from busking then once everything kind of progressively got more I guess quote unquote normal i don't know yeah right normal (laughs) yeah
1: uh you know it was it's like i'm still transitioning out of that like hustle mindset because i was because i was willing to work and i wouldn't like i said i wouldn't trade that for the world i know that i did exactly what i needed to do to get to where i am at this point but i was working pretty much for free just like working for tips people would ask me to come play in their cafe for maybe like 50 dollars, and i was like you know what yes because how else will i pay the bills so that became the norm for me for sure for a while and that led to extreme burnout over the past two years i did i did that style of gigging throughout 2020 so i guess what starting in like june of 2020 through probably until June of 2022. So it was a long time that I was just on that, that hustle mindset yeah. gigging every single night of the week saying yes like to absolutely everything. Yeah, it was, it, I loved it. I got to meet a lot of people in that time. And now I've got like this really rich network of of folks here in the city. So still no regrets, but it's like, Oh, I need to learn how to slow myself down, you know, and like, say no to the hundred dollar gigs, you know, because if I'm being honest, I know that I'm, first of all, I'm worth more. I think that every artist that works hard and like puts their whole self into it deserves more, you know, so that's like, that's a model that I think the city kind of needs to do away with, but That being said, it's still it's still good for artists starting out. I think it's probably necessary to get the reps in and get the experience of playing those crappy little coffee shop gigs where no one's listening to you, you know? Yeah, the transition has been tough, just like learning to take a step back and really ask myself now if opportunities that come my way are even really aligned which is, it's a cool place to be. Now I have the freedom, like the financial freedom and all of that to do exactly that. I get to charge more for my time so that I can perform better and I can make sure that it's in alignment and it like feels like this is something that I can be really passionate about, so.
0: That's great. What a great place to be in from flying across the country and being like a new adventure, really.
1: Agreed completely. Yeah. I think I, it took several years, you know, three years to get here, but worth every second for sure. And that also, the fact that it took three years to get to this point has me like wondering if I really want to do that ever again. You know, like people are always asking me, so are you going to move to LA next? Or you should go to New York? Or people have suggested Nashville and Atlanta. And I'm just like, I mean, I could, but <laughs> that's that's a lot of work and a lot of time. So we will see what the future holds, you know? Yeah.
0: What is your songwriting process now with those reps under your belt? Has it changed? What's, I guess, t- walk me through the, from conception to, to birth.
1: Yes. You know, some of my songs write themselves, truly. It's like kind of insane. Um, one of my favorites, actually two of my favorite songs wrote themselves just while I was driving. I just started like singing a little melody to myself. And next thing I know, I have words. And I'm like, hold on. This is like, this is flying out of me. And that's when I pull out my phone and I just hit record on the voice memo app and and let it go. So that is Like when the inspiration strikes in that way, that's kind of my go-to is just to record a voice memo and then come home, sit at my piano and like put it into action, figure out where I want it to go from there. But I also have a different process. Sometimes I have a very, I have a very specific idea in my head and there's no melody yet to it, but it's like the words are there. So that process is actually more challenging. It calls on a few more skills, because when you think about writing a melody, you want it to be catchy. For me personally, it has to, it has to sit in a place in my voice where I can really play and have a good time. And I think most singers, most writers, write in a, in a range that feels comfortable, comfortable to their voice, but I can't say that's true for everyone. Sometimes it, sometimes the melody comes last. And it's like I've got this idea, I've got these lyrics or like a poem that I've written, and then all it really takes is sitting down at the piano and playing through some progressions to see if anything really like brings up the emotion that i'm I'm aiming to evoke with with the song. so the process varies a lot for me.
0: I love that. I'm the same way I definitely am like the voice memo in the car yep. while I'm driving like humming something and then fleshing it out and at home exactly and sometimes it turns out radically different than what you started out with and sometimes it's so cool that sometimes yeah you
1: just it just pops out out of nowhere and you're like that's that's it that's the song actually though I love it yeah <laughs> I love the, the whole process I think every song surprises me the way that it comes about I don't think that I have like a super predictable pattern.
0: What's been a song that has challenged you the most writing it?
1: So I have this song that is not recorded, but I'm very proud of. It's called Strong by Count Candlelight. And it's challenging. The meter is is kind of whack. It The meter changes. It's not whack. It just it changes from four to three. So that alone gives it like kind of a different, it's just a different feel but then my 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 uh melody is it's really unpredictable as well and how did i come up with this one i remember writing this during the pandemic and it was inspired by a conversation with a friend of mine who was really really struggling just she she experienced some really rough traumatic moments in her life so we talked on the phone she was telling me about all of this and I just, I felt her pain from a thousand miles away. I felt the agony of that. And it was just like, she is so strong. And then I already had this idea that I wanted a song that changed meters. So that was really challenging to finally put down. Just, yeah, it challenged me mentally for sure. I hope that, I hope that it's, I hope I can record it soon. I like it a lot. It's a good one. It's, man. I don't want to give too much away. It's cool. And I also don't even know where it's going to go because like you said, sometimes they end up radically different. So what it is right now might not be the end product. In, in fact, I don't think that it is at all. So I'm excited for the evolution of that one. I also actually have another one that I'm really proud of um, that was that took me a very long time to write because it was inspired. It wasn't even my idea, but it was inspired by a poem written by a friend of mine and the poem is beautiful and she wrote it all the way back in 2009 so like she must have been in high school or maybe even sooner than that so she wrote it like a, w- a while back and then just happened to post a picture of it on her story and i was like her name's Rose Percy and i was like Rose this is so beautiful and it just speaks to me so deeply. Can I turn it into a song? And so she gave me her blessing. And then because it was her words, and well, it was her idea, that applied an extra amount of pressure to it because I really wanted to do this idea justice. Um, I didn't wanna take her poem and make a less than incredible song. You know, that would be rude. So I I really took my time with that one. It took a it took a while to um to to flesh that one out for sure. But ultimately I'm so pleased with the end product and I will be releasing that one with my next project.
0: What what is your recording process like once you get in the studio? Where do you go? Do you have a place that you really like or or producers you really like to work with?
1: Yes. Oh, man, I absolutely adore Lauren Dorland. She's um she works at Mighty Fine and she has a great ear. She's just a beautiful soul. Yeah, we just have a riot in the studio. And I mean, she's one of the only female she actually. Yeah, she's one of the only female engineers I've worked with. And yeah, she's she's just a delight. So anyway, I really enjoy working with her. She challenges me vocally. She'll hear when I'm holding back, which I'm really grateful for because some engineers really just hit record and are like, okay, cool, we got it. And instead of allowing me to get complacent with my songs, she challenges me to bring out some like real emotion. And actually the studio is my least favorite place probably on the planet because I'm a performer like through and through. And in a studio, it feels it feels less like performing because there's, there's just a lot of analysis going on, especially once we get into talking about technicalities of tone and timing with other instruments. That's when I just, I can get overwhelmed in the studio, quickly and especially because decision making is terrifying to me. <laughs> in the studio, with a live performance, you can make a decision and that's it. It's fine. It's done. It's in the past. <laughs> but when it's like immortalized in digital form,
0: <laughs> it's rough. It's scary. It's really hard. No, yeah. I'm
1: with you. It's
0: and then so many times, like I've recorded something and been in the studio and then you know then you get in the mixing and you're like oh man you listen to it so much that you're like oh now I know what I should have done and that's such a tough place
1: to be in yeah absolutely I've wasted it truly and I'm I get really I get especially anxious because of the amount of money and time that I've wasted in the studio too from just from going in with an, an idea of what I want and then finding out in post that that is not what I want. And part of me is really struggling with the lesson of letting it be because I mean, I'm not a perfectionist. Don't get me wrong. I really, I'm not. I'm going to create what I create, right? But I can, I can get into that space once it gets a little, too analytical and less artistic where yeah i'm so that's why i have this album i've been working on for a couple years and i've tracked a lot of the songs several times actually (laughs) and said this isn't it i thought this was it i just spent 500 dollars to record that and i'm gonna have to do it again you know So it's like it's this weird balance because I'm constantly growing too and changing and and improving as an artist. So like I said, it's a it's a process of learning to let it be because tomorrow I will always be better than I was yesterday. At least I hope. And if I just keep on waiting until tomorrow to record it, it'll just never get done,
0: you know? Absolutely. It's like finding a balance as a creative person of like, there's that excitement that you'll always be growing and always be better. But then there's also like that other side of like, well, it'll always, it could always be better. And so I need to tweak and tweak and tweak until I get to whatever that, that better is. And I think you're so true finding that like, okay, it's, it's good enough and I can move on to the next Thing and it'll be different, and that's okay. That's such a struggle. I, I mean, I guess maybe as artists, we're just just always figuring it out. It's just always kind of like, how? When do I like let go of the wheel? I don't know. I know
1: we need that juice that Pharrell is sipping because he can't miss. I think from like from the beginning, he just came out making bangers.
0: Just has the ear for it. He's like, no, that's it.
1: Yeah, we
0: we got it. Kidnap him and put him in the studio. Exactly. Like, Help. What does this need? <laughs> this is not a
1: threat on Pharrell. No, not <laughs> Yes,
0: never. I would never. But just metaphorically, the kidnap the Pharrell vibe.
1: There it is. We just, yeah, we need to bottle that. <laughs> just,
0: yeah, embody. I guess is maybe a better word than... <laughs> it's a little lighter than kidnap. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what is... I guess... First off, where, where are you at in that process? When Do you have an idea about when your new music is going to be
1: coming out? Okay, so I set a goal, I will say. I set a goal for myself for June of this year. June is Black Music Month. So it just, yeah, it's a month that speaks to me for a lot of this music. That's not to say that the entire album will be ready in June. But my goal is to have, I have one song in particular that feels like the perfect summer song. So we're shooting for June for a single, God willing. And then, I mean, beyond that, I don't know. I would love to get the whole album out this year so that I can move on. Because I've been, I mean, I've been writing this whole time, you know, the the songs keep piling up and up and up and up. And I find myself like almost not wanting to create more because I'm getting so backlogged with music and i'm i'm just starting to feel so disheartened with my inability to finish a project in the studio you know so that's a struggle that is a true struggle that i'm experiencing and i i watch like all of my colleagues releasing songs like it's like it's nothing and i'm like you know not that's not to say i'm i am not suggesting that they don't pour their all into every single song, and that every single song isn't exactly what they want it to be. But they had definitely have something that I'm missing in the department of just like letting it go and letting it be what it is. So yeah, I need to take a page out of everyone's book. But we're going to say June, and hopefully end of 2023.
0: Very exciting. Do you have any advice to artists just starting out?
1: Mm, definitely. I would say you have to get the reps in. And hustle it really is like you have to grind and you'll never be ready that's that's something i keep learning for myself even no amount of like practicing and preparing actually gets ready gets you ready for doing so at some point you just have to say jesus take the wheel who is that carrie is that carrie underwood so yeah at some point you just have to be to just let go and show up and do your best being afraid of failure and I'm gonna sound like such a hypocrite because I'm afraid to release this music but um being afraid of failure will hold you back so just like take the risks
0: I love that it's great to be like I I know I'm a hypocrite here and it's (laughs) This is the lesson. I'm not listening. I it's my uh, my own advice to myself. <laughs> exactly. But it's hard. It really is, especially when it's it's your full-time thing and and you've poured so much energy into something and you just want it to be what you know it could be. Yes. That's that's such a beautiful place to be operating from and Eventually, it eventually comes out, I think people receive that energy. Okay, so what has your experience been like with Sonic Guild? How did you get involved and how has it helped you out thus far?
1: Well, so I actually got into contact with Sonic Guild last year through the Roots Music Project in Boulder because, oh, we actually have a show coming up in May, but I'm in the Motown group so we perform i mean we perform a bunch of motown which is like one of my favorite genres so it's like disco and then motown those are my two my two fate. i don't know if you can tell but <laughs> i'm like a retro babe so yeah anyway hello it was through roots music project that i got in contact with sonic guild and it actually it took a long time for the stars to align for me to actually perform with sonic guild but i'm so grateful that i did get the opportunity for the boulder international film fest this year which yeah it was just it was such a such a sweet experience the venue was beautiful the whole team yourself included from sonic guild was just like so warm and welcoming and supportive just yeah accommodating in every way it was lovely and the turnout to this event was phenomenal Y'all created a true like listening room. And I just, it was unexpected, honestly. I, I'm because, like I've said, I am no stranger to playing in like the noisy bars and the empty cafes. So for it to be a full room of people that didn't even, I, it was a free event, right? Like people didn't even pay to be there. They just showed up and said, yes. I want to sit here and listen to this music in in silence with my my company on like a Saturday night or something. It was just it was unexpected and so sweet. So I'm incredibly grateful, and I really look forward to working with Sonic Guild in the future. I know that y'all have done a lot with a lot of the artists that I look up to a great deal. Kayla Marquis included in this city y'all are doing great work so I appreciate you
0: oh thank you no it was such a pleasure seeing you perform you are a force of nature uh-huh. and I'm so excited to hear your upcoming music and just to see you live again if anybody listening if you have the chance to go see Desiree Gold live go do it it's amazing um, thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it thank you please keep us posted with keep releasing keep keep putting stuff out there
1: yes you do the same then okay
0: Okay. (laughs) we hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the sonic guild colorado podcast check out the links in our show notes to experience desiree gold's music and to become a member of sonic guild Colorado.